kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. The word of the Lord. Hey, I wanted to introduce uh, to some of you, to some of you, no introduction is needed. Uh, Paul Hahn, my dear friend and mentor, is with us this morning, and he is going to be preaching God's word to us this morning. Uh, if you've been around Grace Community for more than a couple years, you, you certainly are going to remember Paul. Uh, Paul, like I said, was a mentor of mine, a, 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 a church planning coach of mine, uh, and through the early days of our church, Paul was often here uh, getting to know many of you, ministering to our congregation, uh, preaching for us, and so uh, this is going to be a very familiar face for you guys. Uh, so Paul, Paul Hunt is in town this week for a church planning conference. Paul is, uh, for our denomination, the PCA, Paul Leeds is the coordinator for MNA, Mission to North America, which is our denomination's uh, national home missions arms. So they oversee church planting. And so uh, Paul is a dear brother, as I said, a mentor to mine, uh, a great friend, and we're very blessed to have him come and open God's word for us this morning. So thank you, Paul, for being here. Thank you, Hutch. It is so great to be with you, Grace Trenton. Uh, just, a, just a joy to be here with you, uh, a delight. Um, uh, we've heard the word read, the story of these ten waiting for Jesus to show up, for the bridegroom to show up, which is really how we wait for Jesus to come. Will you pray with me as we process this text together? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for waking us up into the hope and joy of our salvation in you. Lord, it's easy, like all of these girls in this story, to get tired to get sleepy. We wait for you and we wait for you. We wait for you to come back. We wait for you to break out and move in new ways in our lives. And Lord, a lot of times we just fall asleep. So Lord, would you awaken us this morning in fresh ways? Would we realize that to follow you is to wait on you, that to prepare for your coming back is to prepare for a long wait and to live in light of that? Help us to realize, Lord, that each of us each of us here, it's not enough to be in the group of the church. We each need personal connection with you. We each need trust in you. We each need real faith in you to come inside and celebrate with you forever. And Lord, we need to live that out now. We need to have oil for our lamps that lets us shine and dance with you now and 
celebrate with you forever. So, Holy Spirit, come and give us these blessings today. We wait for you, Jesus. We say, come quickly. But if we keep waiting, come to us, Holy Spirit. Bless us, encourage us, make us followers of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus. Jesus, people knowing what it is to become like you, to trust you, to serve and live in your kingdom. And we pray it all in your name. Amen. Um, I am not a big pop music guy at all, but I really, really like the early Taylor Swift stuff. I really do, I confess. My girls were all teenagers in that time, or early 20s in that time. And my favorite T-Swift song for sure, okay, and, my, and one of my daughters went to Vanderbilt, and she lived in the building right next to Taylor Swift, so we actually saw her coming in and out there some. Um, and so my, but my favorite T-Swift song, without question, um, is We Are Never Getting Back Together. I just love that song. I watched the video again this morning. And my favorite part in that, I did, I confess. Uh, my, I wanted to make sure I had this right. My favorite part in the video and in the song is when she kind of stops near the end and likes going, you know, he calls me and he says he still loves me and blah, blah, blah. It is so exhausting. And she puts the phone down on the wall in the video, right? You may remember that. Um, it can be exhausting, right, to do Christmas, can it? You may have been through all the Christmas stuff, the parties, the cards, the presents, the tree, the lights, the family trips to going home to see family or the you know it can be exhausting like I you know I will just confess that one of my least favorite days of the year is when my wife wants to put the tree up and decorate the house I just hate that day I hate getting pine all over my hands bringing the I just hate it it's like so hard to do all that stuff it's just kind of exhausting right you know and then you got to take the tree down in early January and it can just kind of wear you out right A lot of us feel that way, like Taylor Swift does in her song, like you might coming out of Christmas, about talking about the return of Jesus. It can kind of just be exhausting. There's so much there. It's so heavy. The weight is so strong. It's so deep that it can just kind of wear you out. So I think a lot of us, you know, Mary Lou Strawbridge back there and I are like brother and sister um, and, you know, we grew up in a church in a, in a time where, like, that's all you talked about was worrying about when is Jesus coming back and making sure you understand what Daniel is saying and make charts about the book of Revelation. And, like, it was just exhausting. Maybe you came out of a church experience like that and you want to say, forget that. I don't want to do that anymore. And so you functionally drop the idea of the return of Jesus out of your lives, functionally. I'm kind of guilty of that. Or maybe you're one of those people that are still really thinking about that a lot, and you're wondering, when's he coming back, and how's he coming back, and what's it going to look like, and you sort of wear yourself out with that, and your soul worrying, am I really ready? Have I really done it right coming to him? Am I really going to be okay at the last day? And you wear other people out around you because of your worries and anxieties over the return of Christ. We can sort of get exhausted by this whole idea all the way along. Well, well, Matthew helps us here. You know, Matthew sort of, before he's going to tell you the passion, the end of everything with Jesus, of his being betrayed and going to the cross and dying for us and then rising again, he just stops and does this extended 
section in two chapters of just talking about the end of things. And in chapter 24, he's sort of doing two things. He's telling the original followers of Jesus, what does it look like when Jerusalem is destroyed, when the temple is no more, when there is an abomination of desolation inside the sacred space of God in the old temple, and what are you going to do about that, and how are you going to live in light of that? What happens when it feels like everything that you've ever known comes crashing down? It's going to feel like the stars are falling from the heavens. It's going to feel like the mountains are caving in on top of you. And you have to deal with that. So lots of messages for the original people hearing this, but messages for us. And if you just read Matthew 24, you can just sort of get three big ideas. Jesus is certainly coming back. Number two, you certainly cannot know when he is coming back. (laughs) And number three, we certainly should spend our time in life readying for his return. He's really coming back. You really can't know when it is. So if somebody tells you they've read something and and the end of the world is going to be, you know, February 27th, 2020, like don't believe that because nobody has any idea when it's going to be. That's the one thing you can know for sure. He is coming. You don't know when it's going to be. And we're called to live in light of the reality that he is coming back. And that's kind of the teaching. But here's a story. A story of what it means to be ready for Jesus' return. You're doing this great new series. It was, it was fun to listen to Hutch and figure out how we could fit this in. And, you know, he's starting this series with you on following Jesus being a disciple of Jesus, being an apprentice of Jesus. I love that. Learning who Jesus is and what it means to follow him and be like him. That's where you are. And so it's really cool to think about as you begin that, where's it all going? What's the end going to be like? So the most famous theologian and thinker and pastor in American history is Jonathan Edwards. Now we think of him as this real scholarly dude, and he was, but he was also a farmer. He was a regular guy like you. And, uh, and Jonathan Edwards says, if you want to study an oak tree, how could you study an oak tree? You could look at acorns on the ground and try to figure out and learn things about an oak tree. You can do that. You can look at saplings as they're just starting to, to grow and take root. But if you really want to see what an oak tree is about, you know, see a big, mature oak tree. You know, in the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, where my wife and I lived and worked for a year and a half, they have the Friendship Oak in Gulfport, Mississippi. Have you ever seen or heard about that? The Friendship Oak has supposedly been there before Columbus came to the Americas. Like, it's been here for like over 500 years. You can learn so much about what an oak tree is, how it spreads out, how it, how it changes because of storms, how it bolsters itself. And What does it look like to be that kind of tree? Well, in the same way, if you really want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, think about where it's all going at the end. Where's it going? He's coming back to make everything new, and you and me completely new too. How do we live in light of his return? Think about three things with me from each of the main characters in this story. How do we prepare for the return of Jesus? The first way you prepare 
when you think about this story from the perspective of the bridegroom is Jesus is going to take a long time to come back. To prepare for his return is to be ready to wait for him. Okay? The most ordinary thing in this story is that the bridegroom takes a long time. <laughs> in a Jewish wedding, this is so classic, you know, it's a days-long celebration. Uh, the, the sort of wedding ceremony, what we think about going to a wedding, kind of happens near the end of the time. And then the bridegroom would come to the special place where the banquet is. But very often, you know, he would take his time because there are family obligations and people to see and there's a walk and a stroll there. And it, so it culminates in that culture with the bride, bride, groom, coming into the party and celebrating. It may seem odd to us that there's this long, long wake when we read it. But to the first readers of this story, they're going to go, yeah, that's what bridegrooms do. They take a long, long time to come. I remember I was telling you that Mary Lou and I kind of grew up together. Her little brother was my best friend growing up, Fred. When, when Fred got married, he married this amazing, beautiful uh, woman, Torelli, who's of Cuban-American heritage. And Fred's obsession about getting married was, our wedding is going to start on time. It is absolutely going to start on time. We were saying 7 o'clock. It is going to start at 7 o'clock because Torelli's family and Torelli's culture, they live on a different sensibility of time than Anglo people do. They take their time. 7, 7 7.30, Hey, we're going to celebrate tonight. But Fred was obsessed. We were going to start right at 7 o'clock. I think the wedding started about 7.45. Eight didn't happen. Why? Because if you're going to go to a Cuban wedding, you're going to take your time. And you are going to celebrate and have this amazing wonderful experience. To wait on Jesus means he is going to take his time coming back. Why is that? Why does he do it like that? Well, you know, we have some scripture to help us, right? He says, I, the Lord is not slow, Peter says, Second Peter chapter 3. The Lord is not slow the way we think about slowness, but the Lord is waiting that all people everywhere should repent and turn to Him. God's waiting to come back. Jesus is waiting to come back to finish out everything because He wants to take His time. He wants to give worlds of people opportunity to come and connect with Him. Another way to think about it is just this. The, the New Testament, like in Galatians, says in the fullness of time, in just the right time, in just the right way, in just the right place, God sent forth His Son to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us out from under the law. So the first Christmas, God had the perfect time to do it. In the same way, God has the perfect time for Jesus to come back and make it all new. For Jesus, a thousand years is like a day, right? So kind of like for Jesus, it's been two days <laughs> since he left. For us, it's still been 2,000 years. It's a long time. And it might be a long time more. Are you okay with that? 
we kind of have to be okay with that. We have to learn to be okay with that, that our whole lives likely will pass and we are to be waiting and watching for his return and he probably won't come back during our lifetime. Are you okay with that? To be an apprentice, to be a follower, is to beg the Holy Spirit to give you patience. To wait on God to come back in the perfect time, in the perfect way. To wait on God to move in your life in specific ways all along the way. You know, as I get older, I just turned 56 recently. I just, I'm so burdened by things. God, I want you to change that. I, I really want to stop worshiping food. God is as my functional God. Lord, I'm 56. I, I'd really like to stop battling with lust the way that I do. God, I'm 56. I'd really like to learn to trust you and not be so obsessive and compulsive and narcissistic. God, I need you to move in my life. And part of what God might be saying to me is, Paul, you've got to wait on me, my time my way to sanctify you, to renew you, trust in me, wait on me. Now it's hard, right? Tom Petty sings it, right? The waiting is the hardest part. It's hard. I stink at waiting. I think I've told you this story before when I've been here a long time ago. You know, in my, when I was growing up, you always did the bean experiment. You know what the bean experiment is? You put your lima bean in a solo cup in a bunch of dirt, and you put it in there, and then you see if it'll sprout and grow. I think I did that every year from kindergarten to 12th grade. I got to do that 13 times. I was 0 for 13 on the bean experiment for my entire educational career. Why? Because every time I'd put the bean in, I'd try to dig it up all the time. Is it sprouting? Is it sprouting? Is it sprouting? You're not many as bad as me, but patience is tough. It's hard to wait on God for his movement in our lives. It's hard to wait on Jesus to come back when the world is so hard, when my life is so broken, when our communities are so broken, when this awesome church that is so beautiful to see, God blessing and growing it, is still a broken place, right? Because it's full of broken people like me like you. To be a follower of Jesus in light of his return is to beg the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of patience. To grow patience in you as his fruit, his work. Not something you keep digging up and looking, but just waiting and resting upon him. Give me love, joy, peace, patience, Holy Spirit. To wait for Jesus to come back. Give me patience. For you to move in my life. To prepare for the end is to learn to live patiently. Secondly, let's think about not just the bridegroom. Let's think about the girls who weren't ready. The virgins who didn't have the oil. To prepare for Jesus to come back is not just to learn to live patiently. To prepare for Jesus to come back is to make sure that we are responding and coming inside with Jesus. We said the most ordinary thing about this parable if we were a first century Jew. We're just hearing Jesus tell this story like in first century times right there. The most ordinary thing would have been, yeah, the bridegroom takes a long time. 
The most shocking thing would have been that the bridegroom has a wedding party and some people get shut out. Like, that is shocking in first century culture. Like, you've been invited to the party. There are all kinds of things that made it hard in the first century life. We don't know exactly when it's starting. It's late in the night. Will you come on in? We invited you. Yeah, you come on in. To have these girls knocking on the door and not being able to come in, depart from me, I never knew you. And that sticks out. See, Jesus, whenever he describes the end of things, describes it as yes, perhaps, and often taking a long time. But he also describes his return as a place where people are sifted. Where people are separated. Where there are sheep and goats. Where there are wise virgins and foolish virgins. Where there are people on the outside. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What do you do with that? That's really hard. You can't make that go away. You have to realize, and I think this text proves this to you, and so much of the Bible proves it to you, Jesus never really shuts anybody out, but we can shut ourselves out. There is a need to be ready to respond to Jesus in a timely way. He, he's there. He offers himself to you, but, but today's the day to to ready yourself to connect with him. Today's the day to get the oil in your lips. You know, the idea, gosh, this was so prevalent when I was growing up. Maybe it still is today for you guys as students. I don't know, you know, 35 years later. I mean, so prevalent, the whole idea was, well, if I can figure out when I think Jesus is coming back, you know, <laughs> then I'm really going to make sure that I can, you know, deal with him well before he does. Or, or if I kind of know how long my life's going to be, um, I'll deal with him before the end. This parable says, no, no, no. Don't think about connecting with Jesus in terms of getting ready at the last minute. Don't go try to buy it at the 11th hour, this oil that you need for the lamp. Deal with him now. Connect with him now. The most haunting thing about this parable is, right, you can be a part of the group it's a part of the wedding party that's connected with this whole festival and celebration. And you can ultimately find yourself on the outside. Nobody else can get the oil for you. You've got to connect with Jesus yourself. Ultimately, Christianity is this beautiful, connective, collective communal experience yes we are the body of christ we're the people of god we're his chosen nation yes 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 but ultimately you have to personally connect with jesus and nobody else can do that for you nobody else can give you the oil how do you apply that i would just encouraging you Wherever you are, maybe you're brand new processing these things. Maybe you've been connected with Jesus for a long time, but like Hutch was saying earlier, you're in a place where you feel hardened, you feel stiff and cold toward God. 
Maybe you're sort of in a place where you're wondering, is any of this still real? I, I don't know. The beautiful thing is, Jesus is here today to connect with, to just cry out to Him and say, Lord, would you do business with me today? I want to do business with you today, Lord. I want to get the oil of life today. So to be a follower of Jesus is just to commit to doing business with Jesus regularly, timely, today. Are you like me? I'll I'll read the Bible. I'm so happy you're trying to read through the Gospel of Mark. I think that's wonderful. Or read a psalm every day. I think that's just wonderful. I love connecting that with getting on your knees and praying. There's something about, you know, when you get down like that, you are humbling yourself and you're saying, God, I I need you. You're the creator and I'm the creature. I I need you. I need you. I'm, I'm broken and needy, Lord. I need you. I love that. I love that practice that your pastor is giving you. But part of that is, like, I'll read, I'll get down on my knees, but I'll, I'll sort of feel God pressing on me. Paul, you need to repent like this. You need to go apologize to this person. Paul, you, you've got to stop focusing on yourself in this way and just free yourself and give up all this. Paul, you, you just need today to let go. And I'll say to God almost directly, yeah, let's deal with that later. Are you like that? Yeah, God, but I got a lot to do today. And when God God is just saying to you, Jesus is saying to you, deal with me today. I love you. I want to free you. I want to grow you. I want to apprentice you more deeply today. Don't wait till I end. Let's do it now. So to wait on Jesus, to prepare for him, is to know it may take a long time and to grow patience. To prepare for him to come back and following him is to say, Lord, I want to do business with you now, today. And to wait on him, to prepare for him, is finally to say, Lord, I want to shine and celebrate with you forever. The wise virgins, what are they doing? They're coming into that party, you know, it says lamps and oil. A lot of commentators say... Think more not just, you know, somebody having an old English 18th century lamp, you know, with the stuff that you put, you know, oil into. Think more about like a torch, you know. And there's probably stuff, there's probably cloth wound up on top of that torch, and you put oil on that so it can flame. And we obsess, right? Well, what's the oil? Like, what is it? Is it the special presence of the Holy Spirit? Is it my good works? Is it... What, what is the oil like? If you read 10 Bible commentators with 10 experts on this passage, they're going to tell you the oil is 10 different things. I can promise you. I've done it. What's the oil? I think purposely Jesus doesn't really say. He's not being that specific because the oil is just whatever we need to come in and celebrate with Him and shine and dance with Him. The oil is just simply, what does it mean to rest in Him and to delight in Him forever? What made the wise virgins wise? They slept too. 
It was a long time for them too. It's not like they were super prepared and ready and the other girls were falling asleep. They all fell asleep. It was a long time for all of them. But these girls just had spent their lives not rushing to go to the dealer at the end, but being ready to dance and shine with the bridegroom. So how do you do that? You just delight in him as much as God gives you the grace to delight in him right now. When you come to worship, it's about celebrating the wonders of who Jesus is. Not worrying, did I get it right? Have I done it all just right? You haven't. <laughs> but Jesus offers himself to you and he says, come on in, connect with me, learn to do business with me and just celebrate my love and my giving myself to you now and forever. Shine with him. Dance with him now. You'll be ready to shine and dance with him for eternity. C.S. Lewis, a writer who was real famous back in the middle of the 20th century, he's written some amazing stuff. Wonderful set of children's stories called The Chronicles of Narnia. Lots of kind of theological books, but, but he also writes stories for adults and stuff. And one of his favorites is sort of a story he wrote for adults called The Great Divorce. And it's a story about people who are in hell having the opportunity to take a bus ride to heaven. It's kind of, he says, this is not a theology book, okay? So don't try to pick it apart, right? But what he says is the people in hell, their number one problem is they don't want to go to heaven. There's no locks on the doors of hell, Lewis says. Because the people in hell want to be there because they've spent their whole lives being disconnected from God and His love. So that's where the, they want to stay. Now we could pick at that and knock that apart. There's stuff to knock apart about that. But what I like about it is we turn that around and say, what's heaven? Heaven's just doing what we've learned to do along the way. Celebrate and delight with Jesus. Dance and shine with Jesus. So if Hutch gave you two things last week, I'm going to give you two things this week, okay? Number one is I'm going to ask you, as a, somebody learning to follow Jesus, an apprentice, okay, I'm going to ask you to specifically, maybe right when you're down on your knees, practicing that practice, Holy Spirit, would you give me patience to wait on Jesus to come back and to wait on Jesus to move in my life? Give me the gift of patience. Okay? And number two, just begin your day, or maybe at a little break in your day along the way, and just say, God, just a simple little prayer. God, I want to celebrate who you are and what you've given me. I want to learn to dance and shine. Now, help me celebrate with you. I'm glad you're growing in apprenticeship. I want to grow in apprenticeship. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in touch with Hutch. I want to keep learning about your journey. Uh, I want to take that journey with you. If you haven't started in all of this, you can come in now. You can get started now.
Hutch or Greg or others I know would love to talk with you about that, about what it, what it means to start this whole journey and come inside and be with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the privilege we have that you do call us into life of following you. And, and a big part of that, Lord, is remembering where this is all going, how this has an end in view. Where is it all going? Where are you taking us? And so, Lord, help us to learn to prepare for that end, to grow patience as we wait for you, to realize that all of life is about coming inside with you, responding to you, not putting you off, but responding to you now. And Lord, the oil we need is to just celebrate what you've given us in Jesus. Jesus, you're giving us yourself, your spirit, your blessings. May we dance and shine now with you. May our oil be with us now that it may be with us for eternity. And we ask this all in your name. Amen.